0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Have you guys ever been to a movie and when it gets to the end, the credits start to roll and you just think, wait a minute, is that it? Like, I, I need more information here. I need, I need some of these gaps to be filled. We need to tie up some more loose ends here. And, 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 and we just kind of feel the need for, for more stuff. Hollywood has given us a lot of open-ended movies that haven't tied up all the loose ends and, and answered all the questions for us. So uh, if you remember The Dark Knight Rises, if you ever saw that Batman movie, it uh, came out in 2012, great movie. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, I've given you five years to watch it. So here goes. I, I, when I watched this movie, You get to the end and and Bruce Wayne dies, Batman dies. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like this can't happen. That man can't die, can he? I mean, this is not, this is not like reality. This can't really be happening. And then, you know, before you know it, you know, the tears are starting to well up in your eyes and right before they fall, it cuts to a scene where where Alfred the butler is is looking at Bruce Wayne eating breakfast and he's waving to each other. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. How did that happen? How did he escape the building? How did he get out of the fire? Is Alfred dreaming? What what is happening right now? You know, it's just too open-ended for me. I need some resolution. Solutions. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, classic old movie that that doesn't really tie up all the loose ends. You watch the movie, you get to the end, and you're thinking, "Okay, is it was it real? Was it all a dream? Did she come back into this dimension? I mean, what what is happening, Toto? Tell me what is going on here. I mean. Are there really like wormholes in the middle of tornadoes that can take us to an alternate dimension? I need to know these things, right? Like, you know, as a kid, I was always afraid of tornadoes, not because I thought that, you know, they were going to kill me. I was afraid of the the wormhole that might take me to Oompa Loompa land. That, that's kind of where I was, I was afraid of. And, and you know, you know, we don't really get all the answers at the end of those movies and to many movies. And a lot of people feel the same way about the book of Jonah. They get to the end of the book here. We've read every chapter over the last four weeks and we're thinking, wait a minute, is this it? Like, I need some more resolutions. See, I, I, I need some gaps filled in. There's too many, you know, blanks that God didn't fill in. God, I need more. Did Jonah uh, actually get it? Does he humble himself? Does he stop running? Does he get over his anger? Does, does he, you know, get excited about all the people coming to know, you know, God and turning from sin? We need more answers. Well, the reality is, the truth is, God gives us all the answers that we really need in this story. All the loose ends in our mind may not be tied up, but the reality is, God gives us every piece of information that we need. All the answers that we need are here today in this story. And, 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 and it teaches us a lesson that every single one of us has to grasp. We've got to get if we're gonna understand who we are in Christ today. And and I, I know we walk into the room, we we get here and we're like, man, I, I there's just some things going on in my life, some circumstances, and, and and I need God to fill in some blanks. I don't understand what he's doing. I don't know why this is happening. I, I don't really get it. I feel like God needs to show me some more signs. He needs to do some more things in my life, because right now it's not making sense. And so when we turn to the book of Jonah again, we see that God lands the plane exactly where it needs to land. We have all these unanswered questions in our life and and, and the reality is sometimes we focus so much on the unanswered questions that we totally miss all the answered questions that God has given us. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Like, oh man, what if and why doesn't God and why doesn't God? Meanwhile, he's answered All the important questions that we need in order to live our life for him today. And and so that's why we've got to just kind of pause today and learn this lesson. Because if we miss this lesson, if we miss the lesson of Jonah, then we could possibly miss the purpose for which we are created. It is that important. Now, before we get into that lesson, let me just recap where we've been we started in chapter one of, this, of, the, of the book of Jonah and we see God calling a man uh, named Jonah to go preach the good news to a, a city called Nineveh. And this isn't just any city, this is a modern day Mosul, Iraq. These are the great, 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 great grandfathers of ISIS. And so they were terrorizing the Hebrew people. They were killing, raping, pillaging, stealing, plundering the, 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 the land of the Hebrews for years. And so when God tells Jonah to go and to preach the good news to this city, his his response was, no way. They don't deserve it. They've been too bad. They're, they're too evil. And so instead of following what God wants him to do, he runs. And he takes off running and, and, and he travels about 500 miles to a city called Joppa to catch a boat, boat to get as far away as he possibly can. That'd be like us traveling from, from here to like the East Coast, like Hilton Head, about the same distance. And he he, he wants to run away from God, but, but God sends a storm while he's on the ship. And, and they think, all the folks on the ship, all the sailors, they think they're going to die. And they're like, well, why is this happening? And Jonah finally confesses and he's like, look. I serve the God of all creation. and I'm, I'm quite sure that he sent this storm because I'm running away from what he's called me to do. And so he says, throw me into the water. And so they, they, they cast him off the boat. They throw him in the water. You think he's gonna die? But then God sends a great fish to come and, and to swallow him up. And he lives in the belly of this great fish for three days. And then we see he is vomited out of the mouth of the great fish, not smelling too good, got some fish vomit on him and God gives him a second chance. God gives him a second chance to go and to preach and so he goes and and he and he does it this time he preaches and the whole city turns to God. All the way from the you know the least of the all the way up to the king. The king de- decrees that everybody turn from their evil ways, turn to God and he did de- he, he, he sends this decree that the whole city should fast and mourn and 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 pursue God and you would think Jonah would be excited and happy about this, but he's actually quite angry. He's he's really, really mad. And so he goes up on top of a mountain and he's overlooking the city, hoping, just waiting, almost like he's at a July 4th party, just waiting for the fireworks to come and rain down, that God would just rain down fire and destroy the whole city. But he doesn't do that. He sits there and he's waiting. And it's so hot and humid. Not humid, it's really hot and dry there. Hot and humid here, not there. It's in the desert. So he's, he's, he's dying of, of, of heat exhaustion here and God grows a plant and the plant grows up and gives him shade and he's wonderful. It's the first time in the whole story that he's happy. The Bible says he's happy. You know, then God sends a worm and that worm kills the plant and then he's really ticked off again. He's, he's extremely upset. God sends uh, an east wind that, that makes it really, really, really scorching hot and he wants to die. He asks God, just kill me. It'd be better if you just killed me. God doesn't do that. God says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Do you have a right to be angry at this? And Jonah says, heck yeah, I have a right to be angry. You took the plant, you saved people you shouldn't have saved, right? I have a right to be angry with you, God. And God says, no, you don't. You receive the same grace in your life that you didn't deserve. And that same grace I gave to the Ninevites, they didn't deserve it, but they experienced my grace just like you you see the, the the idea for us is we can we can think and live like Jonah or we can think and live like God wants us to think and live and so we don't want to miss the lesson we don't want to miss the point of the story here. Jonah is concerned about the temporary he's concerned about his comforts this plant that's gave, given him shade. God is concerned with the eternal. he's concerned with redeeming mankind to himself. He's, He's concerned with saving his people. This is an eternal perspective, and Jonah doesn't get it. The reality is God sent Jonah on a mission to save God's people, and God has sent you on a mission as well. God has given you a purpose and a mission to help save those who are lost in their sin and broken and far from God. The The question is, are you engaged in that mission? There's a theological term, it's a Latin phrase, and it's Missio Dei. And it's translated as the mission of God or or the sending of God. And in 1934, a great missiologist named Carl Hartenstein coined this phrase, and and this this, uh, phrase as an attribute of God, and what he said was, God is a mission-sending God. And this is an attribute of who he is. So an attribute of God is his holiness. He is, he is holy. He is love. He is redeeming. You know, he, he is unchangeable. These are all you know, attributes of who God is. And so what he was saying is, and what we understand God to be, is that not only is he holy and righteous and all these wonderful things, but he's also, at his very core, in his very being, he is a mission-sending God. So he doesn't like do missions sometimes. He doesn't think it's a good activity to do occasionally. At the very core of who God is, he is a mission sending God. It's not something that he does. It's something that he is. And so for you and I, I want us to take a minute today to really wrap our minds around the concept of God sending us on a mission because it's all throughout the Bible. And so I wanna tell you a story I'm gonna tell the whole story of the Bible in about five minutes here, you ready? It starts in creation. God creates the world. It's a perfect place for Adam and Eve. God has a perfect relationship with them and they have a perfect relationship with each other. God tells them not to eat from one tree. And what do they do? Instead of following God's plan, they run from God's plan, they eat from the tree of knowledge, and sin enters the world. And ever since that that day occurred and sin entered the world, now the very foundation of God's redemptive mission plan to, to save his creation is revealed when he says, now the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And so from that moment on, we see this mission sending God to crush the head of the serpent. And he starts with a man named Noah and he sends Noah on a mission He sends Noah uh, with purpose to build an ark and and he gathers the animals and and he gathers his family and and God saves them from the destruction of the flood and God promises that he will never send another flood and he gives us the sign of the rainbow. Then God, the sending God, sends another missionary named Abraham and he tells Abraham to pack up everything that he owns, to leave his family, to, to leave his land, to leave everything that is comfortable to him and to go to a city that God would show him. And God said, I'm, I'm calling you to this mission to bless you. I'm going to bless you and turn your descendants into a great nation so that they will bless other nations. In Genesis 12:2, God says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Abraham was blessed. The Israelite nation was created from Abraham so that they would be a blessing to the nations. We see this all throughout the Old Testament. God sends the kings next, and King Solomon especially. He rebuilds the temple, and God's presence dwells in the Holy of Holies in the center of the temple. And and, and, and Solomon gives us the perspective of God's missionary mindset in 1 Kings 8. He's praying, and he says, here in heaven, your dwelling place and and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you. So the foreigners are calling to you, God. And he he says, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you. Do this, God, so that everyone will know your name and and, and fear you. This is the missionary mindset of of Solomon and God in the Old Testament, and then God sends Jonah. And we saw, Jonah didn't wanna go. God called him to go, just like some of us don't wanna go. We don't wanna be on mission. God sends us. He finally gets his act together. God sends other prophets. We, we call them the minor prophets. And so all the short little books at the very end of the Old Testament, God's prophets being sent by God to, to tell the Israelites and to tell them to repent of sin, to turn to God, to correct their ways, to, to love God so that they can be a light to the nations and a blessing to nations. The major prophets, guys like Isaiah, are preaching constantly to the people to turn from sin, to turn from their idols, and to turn to God. Isaiah says this in chapter 52, verse 10. He says, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all nations, all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. What's he alluding to? He goes into further chapters, chapter 42, 49, 66, alluding to the coming Messiah, the suffering servant that would come And when he comes, all the nations, all the world would see the salvation of God. And finally, God does send his son Jesus on a mission. He sends Jesus on a mission as as the word becoming flesh, the incarnation of God in the form of a man to die on the cross, to raise from the grave, and to provide salvation and forgiveness to us today. See, this is God's plan from the very beginning till now. He is a mission sending God. It's who he is. He doesn't just save Jonah to tell a good story. He saves Jonah to go preach the good news to a bunch of lost sinners on their way to hell. And every single person in the room is just like Jonah. God has given us a mission and a calling to share this gospel. Jesus comes and he says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm like Jonah fulfilled here. Like, like I am kind of like Jonah. And he says this in Matthew 12. He says, "And you are an evil and adulterous generation. You seek for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he says this, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the son of man be for three days and three nights in the heart of the sea. Jesus says, like Jonah, For three days he spent in the belly of this fish and then he was resurrected. He was spit out, vomited out. Just like Jonah, he says, I'm going to die and I'm gonna spend three days in the grave. But he tells us he is going to arise from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death. Now, why is it important? Why is it important to compare Jonah to Jesus? It's important because Jesus said it. I think it's important that he not only affirms the story of Jonah, but he gives credit to the fact that it is a real story and it really did happen. And so we look at the life of Jonah and we see that his experience in the fish sounds like death. Like it sounds like, oh, you were eaten by a fish. You must have died, right? No, he doesn't die. Why? Because Jonah's mission wasn't to preach and to die. It was to go and to preach. Jesus is different. Here's how they're different. Jesus's mission was to preach and to die, and thankfully he did die. Because it's because of his death that our sins have been paid for. We have a way for our sins to be paid for. God's wrath has been appeased by God, uh, by God sending his son and him dying on the cross. And so now we have a way to have forgiveness. Now, Jonah comes and he comes close to death because of his own sin. God tells him to go, he rejects what God wants him to do. He runs from God. It's because of his sin that he goes into the belly of the great fish. Jesus doesn't go to the cross because of his own sin. He goes to the cross because of my sin and because of your sin, because of the sins of other people. The righteous dies for the unrighteous. Jonah didn't willingly jump into the belly of this fish, does he? He's not like, hey, I wanna do this. No, the Bible says that God appointed this fish to swallow him up. Jesus, however, was sent by God to die on the cross, but he also willingly went to the cross. This is huge. Jesus says in John 10, he says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus willingly goes to the cross because of his love for you. After the fish, Jonah has a new beginning, right? He has a second chance here. God gives him a second chance to fulfill his mission. But on the cross, Jesus said, it's finished. He doesn't need a second chance. There's nothing else to come. There's there's not another Messiah on their way that we're looking for or hoping for. Jesus is the final sermon preached to mankind to turn from sin and to turn to him for the hope of salvation. Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, he says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Folks, something greater than Jonah has come. There, there's no other blanks that need to be filled in for your life from my life. There's nothing else that needs to happen here. It's not like we're watching a movie or we read a story that leaves too many questions that are unanswered that, that we don't know what to do. No, God very clearly fills in all the blanks for you. All the gaps are filled. They are fulfilled in Jesus, this is the gospel and the hope that we have. In him, we have all questions answered. Now you're like, no, Trent, it's not true. I got a lot of questions. We don't know. I need to know. This happened. Can't be explained. This was a really bad situation. Why did God do it? Now we've got a bunch of unanswered questions. Don't get me wrong. But the most important questions have been answered in and through the gospel. Jesus comes he develops disciples 12 of them one betrays him he calls this group of disciples to go and make disciples and and he calls them to start the church and so they start the church and and these men start making disciples and throughout the generations disciples have been made and someone came to me and said Trent here's the gospel and God sent them by his grace to me and I received that gospel and God saved me And God sent someone to you as well. See, God is a sending God. He is a mission-sending God. He is doing this on purpose. Here's the reality for you and I. The church doesn't exist uh, simply to come and meet on Sunday morning. The reality is God has a mission, and so he created the church. He doesn't create the church and go, ah, man, they need something to do. What could they do? Okay, they could do this. No, 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 he has a very clear mission. And so then he creates the church to go and accomplish that, and that is to make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is our mission. This is what some of you have missed. You've missed the, very, the most important lesson that you could ever learn from the word of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ declares that you and I were sinners and that through Jesus we experienced his grace And then he is calling us to share that grace. Don't miss that today. This is the lesson. If you don't get this, if you don't understand this as a follower of Jesus, then you'll miss everything else that God wants to do in your life. If you're not on mission with him, if you're not engaged hands and feet, uh, attitude, soul, heart, in making disciples, then you are missing the very purpose God put you here. He didn't just save you so that you could come and, Enjoy church every now and then when it fits your schedule. He saved you so that you would be sent to share that same salvation. You're saved by God's grace and you're sent to share that grace. So the question is, are we engaged in it? Are we involved in it? Are we a part of it? Say, how do we do this? How am I supposed to, man, I'm so broken. I've got so much going on. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to go about it, Trent. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. We've got a ton of reasons why we're not doing this very well. But look, at FC, we've made it, we've done it kind of as simple as I've seen done. We've got something that we call the journey. It's, a, it's our discipleship strategy. It starts with base camp, where you learn the heartbeat of this church and the mission that God has given to God's church, not just this church, but every church Folks, we can't call ourselves a church, by the way, if the people in the church aren't on mission. We're, we're just a group of people that meet occasionally throughout the week. But you can't call yourself a church if, if you're not engaged in the mission. We can't miss that. And so so God calls us to be a part of this. And we're saying, look, you go to base camp. You go to camp two. That's the second stamp uh, step. That, that helps you understand what your giftedness is that helps you understand what your spiritual gifts are, how to use your story to help other people experience Jesus. Then Camp 3 talks about how we can really intentionally be a part of the mission of God and make disciples. This fall, we've got a whole new plan that I can't wait to to unveil and and to to kick off that, that helps leaders develop. It's still gonna be our leadership pipeline. God uses all of that to equip you and to engage you further into the mission of sharing his grace, because you're saved by his grace, you're sent to share his grace. We talk about small groups here all the time. And, and the value of groups and people in your life on a regular basis. And, and I get it, I hear people, I've had a bad experience with you know, church or with small group. And listen, if you've been around people at all They've hurt you because we're sinners. And and that happens in small groups as well. Your, Your feelings get hurt. Things happen, but that doesn't mean that God isn't calling us into relationships with each other. I need people in my life to help me grow and to stay consistent. You need people in your life to help you grow and to be consistent. We talk about serving in the church. Like, are you serving? This is an easy way to be involved in the mission that we would engage in ministry on an ongoing basis. Guys, if you are missing this, if you're not doing this, pursuing this in your life, no wonder there are boundaries in your life today and you feel like you're, you're, you know, you're, you're lost, you're, you, you kinda feel like God's not there, you, you kinda feel like that, that there's these boundaries in your life you just can't bust through and there's people holding you back or something holding you back and it could just very well be your disobedience, that you're just running from God Just running away from his purpose and plan in your life. Listen, you'll never feel more alive than when you have accepted the call that God has on your life and you are in fact sharing his grace with other people that you're ministering. When we can live our life as Jonah did and be selfish and and just, you know, be all about our comforts and about the temporary. But we'll miss the eternal perspective that God has for our life and that God wants to do in our life. God's been sending people for generations, and now he's called his church to go and to share this message. I uh, took my wife on a cruise several years ago. Anybody ever been on a cruise? You kind of feel? All right. So like when you go on a cruise, it really is just like a, a food barge. That's all it is. It's just a big old boat with a lot of food. I mean, you you wake up in the morning for breakfast and you, you go to the, you know, the restaurant there and they've got this huge smorgasbord of food. I mean, you name it. Waffles, pancakes, fruit, juice of all kinds. I mean, every kind of bagel and muffin and whatever you want, man. Biscuits, it's, it's all there. So you get up and you go to breakfast, you eat breakfast and after you eat, you're so worn out, you gotta go back to bed and take a nap. <laughs> so you go take a nap, right? And then you'll you, you know, you wake up and you're like, oh man, it's almost lunchtime. So we gotta get ready for lunch. And so we go back to the restaurant and then they've got all the sandwiches, they got all the whatever, you know, for, for lunch. And it's just like all of this food and you, you pile it on and then you think it'd be a good idea to take your shirt off and go to the pool. <laughs> and so you sit by the pool, you know, after all this food and, and uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're getting a little sun by the pool, you're so tuckered out from the two big meals that sure, you're gonna take a little bit of a nap. And as soon as you wake up, you realize... Holy moly, we got to go get dressed for dinner. <laughs> you got to get dressed for dinner. So you go to this huge elaborate meal and you're sitting there for dinner and, and man, you just eat again. And that's what it is every single day. By the end of the trip, I didn't want to see food. I was, I was bored out of my mind. But here's the reality. like As Christians, we love the cruise ship diet. We love to get fed spiritually, you know? So we say things like, man, we want to hear a sermon or we want to go to church and hear a sermon that feeds me, right? So feed me, Trent, give me something. I want a big steak dinner this morning, so feed me. And then we want to go to small group and we want people around us to feed us. And we're looking around at everybody in our life. How are you going to add value to my life? How are you going to feed me? We've got more resources today from a a standpoint of education than, than any generation in the history of the world you can, I mean, there are Bible studies and books on how to grow spiritually and the mission of God, how to share your faith. I mean, right now, media, are online Bible study tools, there are thousands of them for you to learn more about God and to grow. You go to Amazon, you go to any bookstore, Lifeway, whatever it is, man, and you're gonna see millions and millions of resources for you to go and feed yourself. The problem is not, are we getting fed, right? I mean, the problem is, We're not allowing that food to energize us for the mission. And so anytime you just feed yourself and feed yourself and feed yourself and there's no hands and feet exercise of what's been fed, you just get spiritually overweight. And that's when church is boring. That's when church sucks, man. That's when your wife has to make you come to church. That's when you think this is boring and there's nothing really to it. You've been fed so much you, you think you know so much about the Bible that, you mean, coming here is just kind of like if we have time, but, but you've missed the very reason why anyone ever shared the gospel with you in the first place. And that is God has a plan for you and a purpose for you to go and share that grace with someone else. You say, Trent, I'm I'm too broken, man. I've got too much stuff in my life. I've got too much pain. And, 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 And here's the reality. God takes those situations and he uses those stories to help other people grow in their walk. That's the grace they need. Yeah, it was painful for you, but God is healing you. Maybe you would say, I'm not completely healed, but he wants to heal that brokenness in you. But he only heals that as we are sharing that grace with other people. It's, it's just the thing that the Spirit of God does. Well, I can't explain that. If all I do is take, 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 my heart is not filled, my, my brokenness is not mended. But the more I can share God's love and God's grace and serve other people and I, I take what I know and, I, and I, I put it into practice, the more God heals me and the more God restores me because that's who he created us to be. He created us not to live on a cruise ship diet. He created us to get fed His word and then go and experience that by by being the hands and feet of Jesus. Folks, don't miss this. Some of you are still running from God. We go through this whole series, and we're talking about runners and and people running from God's will in their life. And and some of you are still there today. You're, You're running from what God wants you to do. And perhaps the next step for you is so simple. Perhaps the next step for you, man, you, you see it, but you probably already know what it is. Won't you, won't you take that step? I'm not asking you to be Billy Graham tonight. I'm asking you to take the next step of faith that God is calling you to take. As you go to work tomorrow, you know you're on a mission. That's your mindset you know that when you're talking to people at work, it's not just a ho-hum, this is a you know, nonchalant conversation. You know somehow you should talk about Jesus. You should talk about your church. You should bless them in some way. The scripture says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Think about that. That's a, that's a spiritual, biblical concept. If you're down and out today, start refreshing other people and then miraculously, God refreshes your own spirit. That's how he created us to be. He didn't create us to come and sit and soak. He came us to come and and be energized and fired up to go out there and to be the church, to share his grace and to talk about our church, to talk about our faith, to talk about Jesus. And we have tools that will help you understand and know how to do that here at FC. But the choice is yours. You're going to join the greatest mission and the greatest thing that, any of us could ever be a part of something that is way bigger than any of us, something that has eternal consequences. Get out of our own little selfish little comforts and what we're doing and what our kids are doing and what our family's doing and what work is doing in my life and start seeing the bigger picture for what God created and saved you to do. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. It's the most exciting thing you'll ever experience. Folks, we've got Hundreds of invite cards. If you don't do anything else this week, take these invite cards and invite people to Easter. We need to see as many people as possible here next Sunday to experience the gospel. Just think of what God could do if you invited a friend that didn't know Jesus and came. Just think of how you could, you, you, how would that make you feel like the, the energy and the excitement of knowing, man, I'm inviting somebody and, 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 and they're going to hear the gospel and you, you could play a huge role in their eternal destiny. I mean, this is huge. We can't miss this. We don't assume everybody around us is, is going to church, but I will tell you this, on Easter around here, most people are open to your invitation. And so, man, it's, it's, it's on us to go and invite It may take five or six invites to somebody to finally get them in church, but on Easter, one, two, tops, and a lot of people will respond. Statistically, that's just what we see, and so it's on us to go and to do this this week. We are on a mission, but I realize some of you are still fighting that initial call because you've never experienced God's grace yourself. You've run from God, and you've never given your life to God. So I wanna give you the opportunity to do that as we close today. I wanna just ask you guys to bow your heads and let's spend some serious time here with the Lord and ask him like, like to reveal some stuff to us. How, how many of you would say, man, I, I am running from God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I am running from him and what he wants me to do and my life, and, and I need to turn to him today. I need to I confess my sin. I need to give him my life because up until this point, man, I'm just running my way and doing my thing and, I haven't confessed my sin. I haven't experienced faith in Jesus. And if that's you today, I wanna encourage you just to have this initial prayer with God that would serve as a catalyst to ignite your faith and just a simple way for you to commit your life to him today. If this is something that you wanna do for the first time, you just simply say this to God. God, I believe that Jesus is your son I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died, but he rose from the grave. And I put my faith and trust in him today to save me, to heal my broken heart. I've been running away from you, God. Today, I wanna run to you. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you. You see, I believe if you prayed that prayer today that God is saving you. And I wanna know about it. Everyone received a service guide when you walked in. There's a connect card at the bottom. Man, I would love if you prayed that prayer for the first time, to put your name on that thing. There's a little box there that says I prayed to receive Christ. Just check that. Man, I want to pray for you. I wanna know what God is doing in your life. Would you would you do that? Turn it into one of the giving stations today. And I know there are others of you in here that just think that your past is is too broken for God to use you. Can I can I tell you, that's a lie from the enemy? There's so much more that God wants to do in your life. There's so many more people that you could be helping today. Right now, they're lost and dying and, and they're frustrated and they're empty. They're at home today. they're waiting for God to send a missionary into their life, which could be you. Once you turn to him, once you engage in this mission, once you allow him to transform your mentality that you would totally and wholeheartedly engage his mission for you. Father, As we focus on you today, Lord, each of us need to take that next step, including me. Each of us, God, have difficulties that we need to overcome. And and there are different ways, God, that we could be more involved and more encouraged to, to share your grace with other people. God, give us opportunities tomorrow to invite people to share our faith. God, encourage those who are running from you today to run to you. We're tired of running We're tired of running. God, we want to live and serve with you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.